the sports dance. Hello, governors and governesses. Welcome to the Sports Dance at High Noon Tea Time. I'm just kidding. Welcome to the Sports Dance. I'm your host, Greg. And as always, it's a pleasure to be here with all of you. Now, you're wondering why I started off the show like that. Well, it's kind of twofold. First off, we're going to talk MLB first, and you have the Red Sox and Yankees squaring off in London over the weekend, which is the MLB's big push to bring baseball to Europe. It's like the new thing to do like with the NFL. Hey, every franchise, let's just go to Europe for like a series. You know, who cares? The other part is we'll talk about it briefly for the NBA where you are no longer a owner of a team. You are a governor of a team. It's a whole thing. People either love it or they hate it. I'm really not partial to either. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But first, like I said, we're going to get into some baseball talk. Now, this week, it might be a little shorter episode than normal. I'm going to be traveling, so, you know, I got to go get my bag packed. I got to get the car packed. Got a buddy's wedding, so don't have as much time as I would like to take. But I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for me. I'm doing it so I can get my takes out. You know, I'm not bottled up because I'm going to a wedding. Can't be at a wedding bottled up and start just spewing off about how, you know, you think Kemba Walker's going to the Celtics or what are the Rockets doing or all these different things. Nobody wants to talk to that guy. Plus, I like to dance too much. And why am I going to talk when I can just dance? Let my body do the talking. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know what I mean. You get it. Anyway, Major League Baseball talk. Let's get into it. We're going to first look at this London series. And what's the point of it? Well, it's just like everything else with all these Major League sports. It's trying to just get another market to buy your product. Now, I don't think the MLB has to worry about anybody, you know, being like, let's move the franchise to London. Don't think that's going to be an issue. We already have a team out of country in the Blue Jays in Canada. Like, that's one too many. So we're good. They're already stealing our championships, people. Canada is already stealing our sports championships. But you're only having the Red Sox and Yankees go over because they are the two highest profile teams Probably in all of Major League Baseball, no offense to your team, if you're like the Dodgers fan, Rockies fan, a Royals fan, let's just be honest. Sunday Night Baseball, if there's a Red Sox-Yankees series, is always showing that game. There is nothing else that matters to them, because the ratings are always the highest for those two teams competing against each other. And it makes sense. One, for the rivalry. Two, the past few years, they've had some of the best teams going in the league. And again, it's no different this year. While the Red Sox sit in third, nine games back of the Yankees, because the Yankees are literally doing what the Red Sox did last year, you have two teams that are still up you know, for division and wild card spots. So you have two teams that are still going to put on a good show for the nice people of London. You're probably going to see some home runs. Center field is 385, so you know everybody except Giancarlo Stanton is going to be hitting them there. Now talk about Stanton, because before this whole series is going to even start, he has missed basically the whole entire season. He came back, played a little, and by a little, I mean like a little, like a few innings. And now he's back on the IL. And he will be at least until August. Now I know I just kind of stopped talking about the London thing, but this, it popped in my head, so I'm going with it. I'll get back to London, don't you worry. So I got a little bit to say about the fact that the Red Sox are missing two games from their home schedule. So, Giancarlo Stan hurt his knee again, apparently was not ready to come back. Goes on the IL. He's staying there until August. He's already missed 71 games. He's going to miss a lot more. It's going to be close to 100 games, a little more than that probably when it's all said and done, that he'll miss this year. Because there's no guarantee when he comes back, he'll still be 100%. Doesn't mean he doesn't go back on. Now, last year, Stan didn't live up to what everybody thought he was going to do. And this year, he's hurt. You know who it's starting to sound like. A Yankee outfielder who they sign, take away from another team, 
trade, sign, whatever you do. Doesn't perform up to standards year one, gets hurt year two, maybe start has having a series of injuries over the next few years. You stop seeing him more and more. And then you still have to check if he even exists on the roster or anything to find him. That's right. If you're playing at home, guess who? Jacoby Ellsbury. Is Giancarlo Stanton turning into the next Ellsbury for the Yankees? Is this another guy who they signed thinking he was going to be a difference maker? He was going to help them get over the edge to get championship number 28. Get that ring again. Bring the glory back to New York. And is sputtering out? Kind of looking like it. I mean, I know we only have two years to go off of, but so far, not great. Like, stick, give the big money to Judge. Give the big money to everybody. Everybody, literally every other guy on the Yankees roster, I'm pretty sure, is in the final three for all-star voting. That's how good they've played this year, and they deserve it. It hurts to say as a Red Sox fan, but they have played very well despite the amount of injuries they've had mount up for them. Like, a pile of injuries has opened the floodgates to all this talent that they didn't want to have known they had without that. Like Lemehu, however you say his last name, again, last names aren't my strong suit, is potentially an MVP candidate right now. He has been just a monster for them. They've hit home runs in 28 straight games, which I believe is a record. So they're very good this year. Stan's not making that much of a difference right now for them, but he is when it comes to their payroll. So it begs the question of, are you going to trade Stanton maybe? Do you get rid of him after only a few seasons in New York? He, does he still have value? I mean, you could send him back to the National League and get a good return and never have to worry. You got plenty of talent on your team to make up for what you'd be losing in him. Does it stink? Yeah, it stinks. You don't want to see a guy like him go down with an injury, not be able to play, but it happens. It's life, it's sports. Jacoby Ellsbury was a star in the making in Boston, left to sign with New York, pulled a Johnny Damon, and his career completely fell apart. Like, if I didn't mention his name right now, you probably would have been like, oh, I thought he retired. Nope. He is apparently trying to work his way back from what nobody knows. But yeah. So you won't be seeing Stan in London. And it's a shame. I mean, hopefully his knee gets better. But it is a thought you have to think about before the trade deadline. If you need a starting pitcher and you can get a good starting pitcher that's under contract for at least two to three years, and all it's going to take is to trade Stanton, you might do it. Am I right, Yankee fans? I think so. I think you have to at least consider that a possibility. But besides that being a possibility, hopefully Stan gets better. Let's go back to the London stuff real quick. So you have these two teams squaring off in London. And the biggest issue I have with it is I don't care that they're playing in London. Listen, the NFL wants to potentially move a team to London because, like, I don't even, I don't understand why. That would be the worst thing ever. Scheduling would be a nightmare for every single team. Their schedule would be a nightmare. Players would probably not want to go to them. Whoever the franchise is. You can move the Patriots to London and people will be like, nope. I'm not doing that travel on a weekly basis. You know how terrible that would be? But I don't mind this move. What I do mind is the fact that it's a two-game set where both games, the Red Sox are the home team, taking away not one, but two games at Fenway Park this year. Instead of the standard 81, they will get 79 games at Fenway. That's two games less they get in front of their home crowd. That's two games less they get to spend in their own beds. Like, and it doesn't, it's not much. It's not going to make a huge difference. But it does make a difference. Like, why couldn't you just send both teams out there and do a home and home? Red Sox home team one game. Yankees home team the next game. Both teams get one game taken away from them at home this year. That's it. Because the Yankees still get 81 games. Everybody else still gets 81 games in their home field. Tampa Bay even gets 81 games in Tampa Bay, despite the fact they want to play in two different cities. Like, they're still doing the whole, we get 81 in Tampa Bay. 
but the Red Sox get 79. So that's the only thing. That's my one issue with it because, like, come on. You could easily have done, oh, I get Red Sox are going to get reimbursed ticket-wise and everything like that, but you're taking two games away, two, not even just two games, two Red Sox-Yankee games away from Fenway Park. You could take one away from each, it'd be fine, but you're taking a weekend series away from Fenway. And that's like one of the best times, best atmospheres you can find in baseball. And you're taking that away. So that's just, that's a weird move to me. I would have been fine if it was a one and one just to at least have that. Now the last thing, I'm talking a lot of Red Sox Yankees. I know I said this episode was going to be short, but I don't know. Maybe it won't be. Maybe I'll just do the full hour. Um, the only other thing I have about that though is when it comes to all-star game. So the all-star game, they have the final votings, they have the final three guys for each position, except for obviously outfield. And when you look at the outfield finalist, do you know who one of the finalists is? You probably do because you know, it's not like, oh, Mookie Betts, he's going to complain about Mookie Betts. No. Judge is an outfield finalist for the all-star game this year. Like What? How is that even possible? It makes zero sense. For the amount of time that he has missed this year, it makes no sense. Like, just think about it. Imagine if you were a guy, I don't, I don't even know. Let's see, quickly look up who the all-star outfield finalists are. So, all-star outfield finalist. Even, say you were George Springer, even. So, George Springer... Fantastic player, fantastic outfitter. Has Mike Trout, who you know is probably going to be out there. You have Mookie Betts, who has a good shot of being out there. Like, your spot could come down to you or Aaron Judge. Judges missed at least half the games this year with injury. And you're saying he could be an all-star starter? It doesn't make sense. Like, it just doesn't make sense. At all. He has played in 25 games this year. That means at least up to this point, they've played almost half the season, if not half the season. I would have to look at the exact numbers. And he somehow is good enough to be a finalist? No. There should be a minimum requirement of games played if you're an everyday position player to make the team. If there's not the case, you should step in and be like, okay, listen, we get that you got voted by your fans because they love you, but... You've only played 25 games. You can't you can't be a starter. You may you shouldn't even be allowed to make the team. Maybe he makes the team, but should not be a starter for this game. It's just it'd be nonsense. So something has to change with the all-star voting. You maybe put in a specific set of rules that you know fans don't know about, but you get the offer of who gets to make the team, and they give you the top 40 guys at the position based on minimum amount of games played. That's who you get to vote on, for outfield at least. Then you can do whatever you want. But that just that just bothered me. Only for the fact that it's like, come on. That's like when random guys for the NBA like didn't do anything or have been hurt all year and they make the all-star. Like it happens in every sport. And it's just this I noticed because all-star voting just ended. So it's kind of kind of ridiculous. All right, I'm done. I'm done with the Red Sox Yankee news. All right, I promise. It was a lot. I threw a lot at you. But you took it. You stood in there, kept your head in there, didn't move, didn't flinch. You took it. So we're going to move on to the Dodgers because some weird things have been going on with them. For one, they're on pace to win 110 games this year. So pretty good. Cody Bellinger has had women streaking onto the field trying to give him a hug in back-to-back games. Weird, but I guess you gotta love it. He's not a bad-looking dude. So, it's just been interesting. But the most interesting thing out of all the things that have happened is Russell Martin got to pitch in a game yesterday for the second time this year because the Dodgers were losing 8-2. They basically gave up on the game. And Martin not only pitched a scoreless inning, he got a strikeout. That is right. A position player, a catcher, struck out a batter. There's that. That's like another feather in the Dodgers cap season this year. 
So that was pretty cool. But I will say, with the Dodgers on pace to win that many games, it looks like, again, again, third year in a row, they're favorites to go back to the World Series, which begs the question of, do they actually have a chance this year to win the World Series? And my answer, and Dodger fans, don't hate me for this, is no. I still don't think this is a year. I don't. I get that they can make it again. I get that you know they're as good a team as any. The American League teams in general are just stronger. You still have Kershaw, who's a hit or miss in the postseason. Your offense seems to be high and low in the playoffs the past few years. Your relief pitching has to be able to hold up. And if you run into a team like the Yankees or the Astros or even the Twins, they're all big hitting teams. And if they have a better record than you, you have to play more games in their field than your own. Because let's be honest, I forget to the all uh, maybe the All-Star game still decides it. I don't know if it does. I forget. I know they wanted to change that rule. Anyway, but if you have to play more majority at an American League team field, it's a disadvantage. You have to have a DH, which you could say it's still an advantage, but you're not forcing them to put in a pitcher who could be like a Garrett Cole and make him bat three times a game if he's pitching well. So, I hate to tell you, still don't think it's your year. It's not has nothing to do with your team, but you're on pace for a really good amount of wins, so you got that going for you. Good job. And then last, yeah, I wasn't going to focus much on the Dodgers people. I don't know if you know. I'm not a West Coast guy. I can't watch most of their games. I'm asleep. So I, I, I'm going off what I know and what I see through highlights and all that stuff. Great team. Really good. Bellinger is right now NL MVP top two. I just don't know if they ever are going to have the possibility or ability to break through and win the World Series. We'll just have to wait and see. All right, so the last big baseball news to come out is Shohei Otani, another West Coast guy of the Angels, threw off a mound yesterday. Now, I know what you're thinking. Like, ooh, whoop-de-doo, he's a baseball player. He threw off a mound. Like, cool. Well, for some reason, you've been living under a rock. Otani was the biggest of deals last year coming into the major leagues. He came over from Japan. He's a two-way player. He can pitch, and he can play the field and bat. Like, and not just bat, he can smash homers. And he needed Tommy John surgery. Now, he's been playing this year and not throwing because... Despite the Tommy John surgery, you can still bat and all that other stuff. It's really just pitching that's affecting you because it's a much longer recovery to strengthen that up to the point where you can throw a baseball 90-something miles per hour. But he threw off the mound yesterday and apparently felt pretty good. He threw about 40 pitches. You know, he felt good, looked good apparently. But this has been made very clear. He will not be pitching at all in this season. Now, I know there's probably some people that are like, but if he's healthy, if he's recovered, why wouldn't they take the extra arm going down the stretch? He's a guy on their team that fills two different positions, and therefore, you don't have to worry about flipping a guy here and there. Like, why not just give him a chance in the postseason? Well, imagine having a Ferrari, and that Ferrari has some sort of brake issue. And they're like, listen... We can give you the Ferrari back for right now, but if you go over 40, your brakes aren't going to work anymore. But if you say under 40, you should be okay. Like, the brakes still need some time to, you know, do all these different things. It's a terrible analogy. I get it. But it's what I've, I started with it, so I'm going with it. Now you're like, it's a Ferrari. I can't just go 40 and under. It's going to be awful. It's going to be so boring. I can't... What's even the point? Well, we've only had the Ferrari for a year. Don't you want that Ferrari for a few more years? You got the lease signed out for at least a few more. Do you really want to screw it up and have to pay that much extra for something that's just going to be sitting as a pile of junk in your garage? 
The answer is no. And that's exactly what the Angels are doing with Otani. They're being smart. They're keeping the Ferrari under 40. They're not pushing it to a point where it's dangerous. And they could be without that for longer. It's actually a great analogy. I got to pat myself on the back for that one. But in general, not pitching Otani is a very smart move. Let him just keep hitting. Let him play the field. Because this way, think about it. You have him another year under his belt facing major league pitching. He is doing pretty well at the plate, all that stuff. You give him another year resting his arm. You get him more comfortable at the plate. Next year, he will be potentially an MVP candidate because his arm will be healthy. His bat will be much stronger because he'll be more comfortable at the plate with two seasons under his belt. And you might have the next, you know, phenomenon with Mike Trout that you were hoping for. So they're doing the right move, like I said. It makes the most sense. Hopefully his arm heals properly and he keeps doing these side sessions and keeps feeling good. Because that's all you really want, like I said, with the Stanton injury report. You don't want to see stars get hurt. You don't want to see anybody get hurt. But you don't want to see the guys that are supposed to do well be the top names and faces in this league go down for long periods of time. So that wraps it up for MLB. This week also, no frills, no really skip, no none of that. Just get into the fast, get my get my takes out, and that's it. So right now we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back in a second. First, we're going to hear all about where to get some cheap tickets. Did you know a recent NBA basketball ticket on 12-Ounce Sports Radio was only $5? That's right. You can buy event tickets on 12-Ounce Sports Radio for extremely low prices. Go to www.12OunceSportsRadio.com and click the event tickets page on the menu and browse. You won't believe how easy and inexpensive it is to attend your next event. So be sure to go to www.12OunceSportsRadio.com and click the event tickets page on our site. All right, now it's time to talk some NBA offseason free agency. The Bonanza kicks off this Sunday at 6 o'clock. They moved it up just for us, the fans. To be a part of it, to feel the chaos, to count down, to be awake at least, when maybe some of these big names sign. So let's talk about some of these big names and some of the stories surrounding all of it, how the free agency is going to work, and just really dive into it. Because isn't that all you want to hear? The big names, where they're going, no offense, nobody cares where Seth Curry ends up. He could end up on the Warriors and they could have the Steph and Seth Curry connection. And nobody will care outside of their parents. Because then they don't have to get custom-made half-and-half jerseys. Like, that would be the best That'd be the best case for them. So, already know, Kawhi opted out. Al Horford's opted out. Kyrie's probably not signing back with the Celtics. And now we know Kevin Durant is officially opting out of his 31.5 million player option. Man, that must be nice. We've said it before, we'll say it again. To be able to turn down that much money like him and Horford have, you know, it must be the dream to be able to say F you to this money. Because I know if I had a player option for $31.5 million, I would take it in a heartbeat, mainly because why would I be getting that contract? My three-point game is not that strong. I'm a decent inside rebounder, but my height really deters me against the taller guys. I'm six feet tall. I can't go against, like, those seven-footer giants down low. Like, it's not happening. Like, I can't even go against Boga, and let's be honest, he is kind of soft. Please, if you hear that, Andrew, whatever, don't don't come after me. It's just, I got to say these things. You know, give you a little shot to the stomach, get the rebound. That's like, that's the guy I am. I am the Draymond Green. Of my type of basketball player, except I can't talk smack because I'd be afraid of getting hit. So, Durant, Horford, turned down huge money. Be awesome. But now let's talk about where these guys may end up going. So first, we're just going to start right from all the top. Kevin Durant. Before we even talk about what the Rockets think they're going to do, we're going to get to Kevin Durant. So Durant, as we said, opted out. Makes sense. Everybody kind of thought he would. 
Nobody's expecting him to do a one-on-one type thing where he goes one year, player option next year. Everybody thinks where he signs next is going to be max he can get, long-term contract, and that is going to be somewhere in New York. Like, that. let's just be honest. We know it's the Knicks or the Nets. There's nobody else. Like, the Warriors can offer him the most money. Yes. But the Warriors also have to think, do we want Durant for one less year than what his contract would be for? Keep going to this luxury tax threshold where we're paying a ton of money. And yeah, we'll have a good shot of winning multiple more NBA championships. Or do we want to give the money to Clay, who has been with us since day one of this dynasty starting, and hope that he comes back and that we can still, you know, keep winning these championships? Like, that's a thought that they have to have. But that thought won't even matter. They can offer KD the max, and it won't matter because he's going either to the Knicks or the Nets. And it really depends on, it seems, where Kyrie goes. If Kyrie goes to the Nets, you might see KD go to the Nets. I mean, you have to consider the whole, do I want to deal with James Dolan or do I want to deal with Jay-Z also? I know Jay-Z isn't a major owner in any part of the Nets, but he's still an owner in some aspect. And that still means something. And sorry, I keep saying owner. I mean governor. It's going to take a while to get used to. They changed the name because the owner has the bad connotation with it, with, you know, old times. And we're not going to get into it because I'm not going to get political. So, I wish there was a different way. Like, majority, just say you're the majority shareholder. Like, something. Because governor just feels weird to say. Like, oh, you know, James Dolan, the governor of the Knicks. Like, that sounds odd. The majority shareholder, even though it's two words, sounds more normal to me. Or just call him the C. Whoever the guy that has, I'm just going to say, whoever the owner is, call him the CEO. Like, just something. Give him a name that's not that because we already have governors. They run our states. We already have governors in England. Like, we don't need more in a sport. Call him something else. Anyway. Kevin Durant is going to the Nets Nets or Knicks. He wants to be in New York. It just seems that way. He wants to go back there. He wants to create his own empire on the East Coast. LeBron now has it on the West Coast. And he wants to be, you know, probably out of Steph's spotlight. He wants to be the guy, the only guy, the one guy. And honestly, even if he teams up with Kyrie Irving, he's still going to be the guy. Kyrie will be known as player two. Like, in Golden State, he was player 1A slash B. Him and Steph were both. It just depended on who was having a better night. No matter where Kevin Durant goes now, he will be player 1. Not player 1A, not player 1B, player 1. And that's what he wants. It makes sense. The thing I don't get is by going to New York... If you go with the Knicks, yes, you will be the savior. You will be the superstar. But you have to deal with a rapid and rampant media that will come at you every single day. And you can't run and hide. Like, you could run and hide in Golden State. So if you want that safety net, you stay with the Warriors. But if you're ready to be a big boy, get rid of all your burner accounts and do what every star player is supposed to do. And this is why if you and Kyrie sign in the same place, it would be hilarious to watch media days. You have to step up and actually talk to the media and not get all moany and groany and PO'd at every little question, asking every little detail. You just can't. Same goes for Kyrie. He was terrible at it in Boston. It wouldn't be any better in, Bo- in New York. My guess is if they both sign with the Nets, they're hoping it won't be as high because the Nets aren't as high-profiled as the Knicks are. But it's going to come that way if you put Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving on a team together in New York City. You can't expect the media to just ignore them. It's not possible. And if you're wondering, if you're listening, and you're like, wow, he just sounds a lot different than what it just was, it's because I had to adjust some things. I am sorry. I know it's a... Very quick change. I sound much clearer now. But 
in general, back to the Kevin Durant thing, you can't put the two of them on a team together and then not expect the media to go nuts. Like, it's just not possible. It's not going to happen. I don't know what they think is going to happen, but they're not going to be playing in a secluded little area where nobody's going to come bother them. It just won't happen. Even though there are reports now that it's basically a done deal that wherever they Kyrie goes, Kevin will follow and vice versa. So it makes it interesting to see how the Warriors handle all of it because there was rumors of a sign and trade. So Durant could get the max contract. Who knows if that'll play out. But we're going to move on at least from those two free agents. So we know KD Kyrie prediction is Brooklyn Nets. Let's move on to what the Celtics will do without Kyrie, which is celebrate. Probably. I mean, let's be honest. The relationship started off great. Then ever since Kyrie got hurt, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals without him. Things kind of took a turn. Not for the better, if you couldn't figure that out. So Kyrie's leaving. They need to fill that void because, no offense to Gordon Hayward, he's not who he used to be. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown aren't the guys yet. Marcus Smart is not a scorer. Al Horford is leaving. So who do you do? What do you do? Who do you bring in? Well, apparently you bring in Kemba Walker because he is the main name that has been being talked about. Coming to Boston, I mean, it makes sense. He's kind of like a Kyrie, but more of a scorer. So you get that aspect of it. Like Kyrie could score, but he also could at least throw out some assists. Kemba's more of a score, score, score guy, which you're going to kind of need. But it does make it interesting because if you go after him, you're basically waving goodbye to Terry Rozier who is a good backup. Be interesting to see where he lands. But I'm noticing one big trend about all these free agents going into the NBA this offseason. A lot of Ks. You have KD, you have Kyrie, you have Kemba, you have Kawhi, you have Clay. Like, apparently this is the K free agency. Like, that's, that was just an observation I made. It means nothing to anybody or anything. But I will say, Kemba Walker going to the Celtics would be a smart move by the Celtics. Is it the smart move by Kemba? I'm not sure. If he wants to win, try it. If, you wanted, if he just wants to grow his own personal brand and be more recognized, especially in the league, you go to the Celtics. That's the move you make. It's a storied franchise. You'll be loved in Boston as long as you win. It's really the case in Boston. If you win, you're in. If you lose, we're going we're gonna to yell some things at you. It's just how it is. So it'd be a smart move. I mean, let's be honest. He's going. The Hornets aren't going anywhere. Michael Jordan, great basketball player, not so great at running a basketball team, bringing in talent, figuring out who to draft, who to bring in. Like, he's just not great at it. So sorry, Mike. You're a goat in some aspects, but LeBron's a better GM. We've seen that already. He's got Anthony Davis to also give up his trade kicker. Now, the $4 million trade kicker, he's giving up his number 23 to Anthony Davis. And we'll move on from Kemba because that's basically done with. He's going to go to the Celtics, possibly. And if he doesn't, he's taking the max money with the Hornets. But now moving on to, we'll move on to Kawhi. Because honestly, Clay's going to stay with the Warriors. They offer him the max, he's staying. And if they think they're losing out on KD, they're definitely going to give Clay the max. So. There's going to be no surprises there. If there is, wow, just don't see it coming. But I think the Splash Brothers stay together. They move into that new arena together. Everybody's happy in the Bay. But Kawhi Leonard is going to be the interesting aspect of this whole free agency. Wherever he goes, that's who you put your money on to win the finals this year. That's just how good he is. And he's only going to teams that have a good chance. So the interesting thing is, now the fact that The Lakers have made moves to open up a max free agent slot. People are going to be like, yeah, but Kawhi's not going to go there. He already said he doesn't want to play with LeBron. He wants to beat LeBron. Yeah, guess what? That was before he got a second ring. That was before he had to do basically everything by himself. He's got the accolades now. He's the kingmaker. Everybody is now crowning him. It changes your perception. You've got two now. You beat LeBron in one of them. You can either try to beat LeBron again, or you can go to the Lakers on a five-year deal. LeBron is probably done in three to four years, if we're being honest. Like, 
He cannot physically keep up this level of play, and if he starts to decline, he's not going to want to try to have his career end on a bad note. It's just not the type of guy he is, I think. So I think when this Lakers deal is done, he might be done. Maybe one more year, but you sign Kawhi now. You sign Anthony Davis, both long-term. You don't think Kawhi would like to have an Anthony Davis on his team for the next five-plus years? and become the two new Shaq and Kobe type duo. Because once LeBron's gone, that's what it'll be. It'll be those two trying to run the league for at least another two or three years themselves. Like If Kawhi goes to the Lakers, put it in the books that the Lakers are probably winning a championship in the next two years. I'd be shocked if they didn't. Because you can't have those three all-stars on one team Two who are all defensive players, and then LeBron James, who can still play defense. I mean, he's not going to be as great as it, but he is still a facilitator. He can still do big things in big moments. He's still a top 10 guy. He's the only one from his draft class outside of like Kyle Korver in 2003 that's still playing. And he's doing it at a high level. But you have those three guys. It doesn't matter who else is around them. They're going to win games. They're going to go deep in the playoffs. They're probably going to win championships. Because who's stopping them? What team is coming together now, if that happens, to take them down? Nobody. It's just not happening. So if Kawhi doesn't want all the pressure on his shoulders, if he doesn't want to be overused, overexposed, and just dead tired year after year, trying to re-up and redo the run like LeBron did forever, then he's going to go to the Lakers. The reason to stay in Toronto is you are a legend there. You have a good shot of going back to the finals again next year as the Eastern Conference favorites. You have Marcus Gasol, who picked up his player option, who's signing back on. You have Pascal Siakam, who's the most improved player this year and is probably going to keep improving. You have Kyle Lowry still. like You still have a very good team around you. But it's not LeBron. It's not AD. You don't have an open pass in the Western Conference like you do right now because the Clippers need you to make a run. The Lakers don't need you to make a run. But if they have you, they will make multiple runs. The Warriors without Kevin Durant aren't going to be the same, especially with Klay Thompson's ACL. Like Portland, we already know it's not going to be an issue. Denver, they're young and fun, but not going to be an issue. Like Oklahoma City, Russ isn't good in the playoffs. Like, he's not a big game guy. The Rockets, well, Rockets are trying to do weird things. And we'll get to that in a second. So, I think it it comes down clearly to the Lakers, Clippers, Raptors. I think it's 50-50 now between the Lakers and Raptors. If he signs with the Clippers, it's mainly because he wants to be in California but still doesn't want to play with LeBron. That's the only reason. That's it. That's all it would be for Kawhi. If he can swallow his pride and realize that if I want to be in the best situation possible and get my rings and be among one of the greats to ever do it, go to the Lakers. That, that's it. That's it. And as much as everybody in the league would hate it, at the same time, it would be more jaw-dropping watching those three on a team than it has been with Durant and Curry and Thompson and Draymond Green. Like, it would be that much more unfair. They would be the team that could challenge if they wanted to. That 73-win record. Because how do those guys lose? I just don't know, unless you're resting them. So that's Kawhi. Those are the three teams. Everybody knows it. But I'm not going to make a prediction because he's the hardest guy to read in the room. Like, straight robot face. So we'll move on to what the Rockets are trying to do which is acquire Jimmy Butler in a sign-and-trade deal with the Sixers. So what they're doing is they're shopping shopping around Clint Capella, Eric Gordon, and P.J. Tucker, three guys who have been key for their runs the past few years, and they just want to get rid of them to keep James Harden. Makes sense. But Chris Paul, like, no matter what, if I'm doing any sort of sign-and-trade deal, I am getting rid of Chris Paul. I am keeping those three guys. Those are great role players who give significant minutes and significant points in the playoffs. Get rid of Chris Paul. 
I don't know what the Rockets are doing. They're going to be a dumpster fire. They're not going to take advantage of the fact that the Warriors are going to be without major threats. And this would be their chance to compete against basically the Lakers at this point, it looks like, for the top seed in the West and to have the clear shot path to the conference finals and to the championship. And they're blowing it. Because I think it's James Harden and Chris Paul. They just big moments, they blow up. They blow it up. It's all there is to it. Those guys cannot handle the pressure, and we've seen it. They don't take advantage of big moments. They have salary cap hits that are way too high. They play ball hog basketball. They control the ball for 20 seconds of 24-second shot clock. Like It's not great. It's not. F- it's fun to watch James Harden go one-on-one, but it's not fun also at the same time. That makes sense. So who knows what they're going to do. Jimmy Butler, I think if he's smart, he stays in Philadelphia. They hope to get Tobias Harris back because if Kawhi leaves the East, which there is a chance, at least 50-50 chance he does, it will be you, the Sixers, versus Giannis. Like that will be the teams, except obviously for Brooklyn if they get Kevin and Kyrie. But that's not a team you worry about at least this upcoming year. You have one more year until you worry about them. So why not run it back one more time? You have you, Joel Embiid, who's rising and rising and rising as a player in this league as long as he stays healthy. Ben Simmons, if he gets a jumper, will be unstoppable. You, like, that is a very good team. You have four guys that can compete with the best of them. You face the Lakers, you face the Rockets, you face whoever in a championship series, you have a shot to win because you have four guys where they all usually have two or three at most. So if I'm the Sixers, I'm not doing this. The only reason you would is you rather you prefer the role players over the one guy. And Clint Capella would essentially be a backup center for you. So then you could shop him around for maybe picks or another player that would fit better. That's, that's why you do it. And I think for the most part, that's it for NBA. I don't really have much else to go off of. You have talked about Kevin, talked about Kyrie, Kawhi, Kemba, Clay staying with the Warriors. Like Jimmy Butler isn't going anywhere, probably. He's either staying with the Sixers or training to the Rockets. There you go. But that's it. The Lakers have made the moves they need to make. Rob Palenka made a mistake and then fixed up his mistake by getting rid of more players. So I think I'm pretty sure the Lakers roster looks like LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and then somehow through all the ash and rubble of trades and all these different things going down and guys being shipped out, Kyle Kuzma. How he survived all of this, the rumor is the owner has a thing for him. But how he survived it still is impressive. I mean, they wanted to keep him. They made sure they held on to him. And they held on to nobody else. Like, look at, like, it's three guys. They still need two guys to fill out the roster, I'm pretty sure, to get five on a court. So that's what their team looks like right now. But still, they're one of the three favorites right now to win the NBA championship next year because of LeBron and Anthony Davis. It's going to be a fun offseason. Sunday's going to be a blast. I'm going to have to wait a whole week to recap it, but it's going to be fun. I can tell you that. All right, so we're going to take another quick ad break. This time we're going to have a sponsor from Twin Spires because they're who sponsors 12-Ounce Sports Radio. So shout out to them. If you love horse racing, go give them a shot and just take a listen. Want to place a bet on horses but don't know where to go? Check out Twin Spires for all your horse betting needs. All you have to do is follow the link at 12 on Sports Radio. It'll take you right to Twin Spires or go there directly yourself. Put on promo code 12 on Sports to get a nice 100% back of what you put in. Have a little extra money to gamble with. Check it out, Twin Spires. All right, last but not least, by any means, we're going to talk a little soccer. That is right. We're doing soccer talk. Not only women's soccer, men's soccer as well. That's right, people. If you don't like soccer or football, as the majority of the world calls it, 
You can stop listening right now, but you shouldn't. Why? Because I have an angelic voice and you should just, I mean, be cool. It's soccer. Become cultured. So, the U.S. women's national team went to the round of 16 against Spain. And guess what happened? Just guess. You guess they won? You already know they won. Yeah, they won. They won 2-1. to one, And they played a horrible game. And they still won. Granted, they got lucky. They had two penalty kicks called. And they... Megan Rapinoe finished on both. But they did not look great. Alex Morgan did not play well. Their team in general did not play tight. They were a little sloppy. They didn't look the best. But they found a way to, you know, still win. So they moved on to the round of eight to face France, who is the host country. That game is actually going on right now. I can't give you any updates on it because I'm doing this. But... They should hopefully win. I mean, it's going to be a hard game, especially when you're against the host country. Place is going to be rocking, filled to the brim with, you know, homers. The U.S. will still have their fans. The outlaws always come out. But it's going to be tight. It's going to be a hard one. France and the U.S. have always played well against each other. It should be one of those instant classic type games if it goes as it should. I'm still going to give the U.S. the win. I'm going to go with a 2-1 again. I think the U.S. gives up another goal. That would be two goals they've given up the whole World Cup. But this team is just, they're that good. They're the favorites. They know how to win. They know in tight situations what to do and how to lock it down. It's what they did against Spain. They're going to do it against France. France is a very talented team. Don't get me wrong. But our women's team is just better. You can call me a homer. I don't care. But just look at the U.S. women's track record. It speaks for itself. They are just really good, and they are dominant in the World Cup. They are now winners of 11 straight games in the World Cup. That's a pretty good record. It's a pretty good streak to have. You want those numbers on your side, and that's what we have. We have the numbers on our side. We have Lloyd coming off the bench when we need her to be offensive genius. So not that worried. I'm sure I'm going to get done with this and go check on the game and bada-bing, bada-boom, hopefully we're winning. It's probably actually going to be halftime. But prediction is U.S. women wins. Uh, The biggest test is going to be if we get past this to see if we have to face Germany Um, because they're obviously always very good. But for right now, we're about one game at a time. Women, good luck. You're already into your game, so you're not going to hear this. But I have faith in you. And you're going to win. Now we're going to go to the men's side. The men are currently competing in the Gold Cup. They just finished their group stages where they were completely dominant as well. They scored 11 goals and gave up zero. And now they get to go on to the next round and face Curacao. So they should win that. It's always in this tournament. It always usually comes down to Mexico versus the U.S. As it should. They're the two best teams in that division of the CONCACAF division or league, whatever it is. But, I mean, the last, the men's last game, it's very impressive. They won 1-0. Josie Altidore had a bicycle kick to put him up in the 64th minute. It puts him, he's third all-time for U.S. men's goals behind Clinton Dempsey and Landon Donovan. He's got like 15 more to tie them. But he's 29. He was off for a year and a half. Still think he has time to, you know, catch up to that number. But, Overall, it was a really good performance for the men. Like, you can't look at it and say, I didn't like what I saw. They played really well. They went through the group stage playing fantastic. And now they move on. Hopefully they keep winning because for the men and women to both be playing well and good at the same time and being on TV throughout the summer when there's really baseball to watch, you know, it's a great way to build the brand of soccer. And that's what you want to do. You need to build the brand of soccer if you want to get much better talent on these teams. The teams have finally kind of caught up in talent, at least, to the majority of the world, but we're still not an elite talent level. Which, when you look at all the sports that America plays, there should be no reason their soccer team isn't an elite talent level like the rest of the world. We have the athletes, we have the training facilities, we have everything we need. We have the top guys in NBA, always crushing the world things. Football, always crush when there's world tournaments. Like baseball, it's always we're always one of its final teams. We should be with soccer as well. It's just that simple.
So both of them are playing well. It's fantastic. It's great to see. Overall, that's all I got for this week. Thank you for tuning in. Like I said, it was going to be a little shorter. Ended up only being about 10 minutes shorter than normal because I really just got into my baseball and uh, NBA talk. That's just what it comes down to. But thanks for sticking with me. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the nice weather if you're in a place with nice weather. If it's not, again, go find something fun to do. You can still have fun in the rain. You can still have fun in I don't know what other weather there would be right now. But just go have a good time. Have some drinks. Have some fun with friends. Have some fun with your family. And I will see you all next week to recap NBA Free Agency. London series probably because, let's be honest, it's going to be interesting. There might be a record number of home runs and foul balls caught in foul territory because it's apparently gigantic. But that's it. So, again, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, check me out on Twitter at SportsDance underscore. You can find me there. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at the SportsDance. Subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, all that fun stuff. Everything you need to say at the very end of a show because if you're still here, that means you like to be enough. Am I right? And again, shout out to 12 Ounce Sports Radio. Again, always having me on. I appreciate it. Everybody, have a good weekend. I will catch you all next week. The Sports Sports Dance.